Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. So turn to the book of Acts. It's in the back of the Bible in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And then uh, towards the end of the book of Acts is Acts chapter 17. And Paul is traveling around Greece, and he goes to the capital city of Athens, uh, what's today the capital at least, and um, he speaks to the crowd, and he says that God is this huge God, and he's not served by human hands, and the, like God doesn't need us, basically. So listen to this passage. Acts seventeen twenty two. Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. So he compliments them. You're very religious. Verse 23, for as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So there's all these different gods. I mean, imagine the pantheon of Greek gods back in the day. And then one of them, this little altar, was to an unknown God. And Paul uses this. He says, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So he basically says, you've been worshiping this unknown God. Let me tell you who this is. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. And that's the key verse of why I chose this passage to open us up with this morning as we talk about the will of God. That's our topic this month, that God doesn't need anything. He's really not served by human hands like he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives Uh, everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Verse 27 says, "God God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him to find him, though he is not very far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Let's pray to this God today. God, we praise you. We thank you. You are the Father in heaven who we worship, who has all things under control. And God, you don't need anything. You don't need us to to do anything for you. But of course, Lord, you desire it. You desire our righteousness. You desire our faith and our lives. And so, Lord, we give that to you. We praise you. Lord, would you direct us this morning as we think about your will and how we should serve you. We love you and praise you. And everybody said... Amen. All right, so let me tell you a story. There was this lady with a stick. It's, it's more of a parable. Um, and so she's this traveling saleswoman. She's very successful. She's pretty well known. She travels around. She sells stuff. She's good at it. And one day she's parked her car, and she's kind of near an intersection, and she's throwing a stick up in the air and letting it land and picking up the stick and throwing it up and then letting it land. And she's picking it up again, throwing it up, and letting it land. And people are driving by, wondering, who in the world is this? What kind of crazy person is this? And somebody finally stops and says, what in the world are you doing throwing a stick up in the air? She says, well, I'm I'm a salesperson. I travel around, sell things, and I'm asking the Lord to direct me, and I'm going to go in the way in which the stick points. And she's like, okay, that's weird, but whatever. Um, So why do you keep doing it? And she said, well, the stick keeps pointing this way, and I know that this way is uh, just a small town, and it's hard to get to. And so I'm throwing it up and, and waiting for it to land this way because I know that this way is a big town, and it's easy to get to. <laughs> Parable of the will of God. 
sometimes we are like that. Maybe not directly like that, but we, uh, towards the end of the Mill, the Mill Sunday School today, we're gonna, the, the, if you look at the notes, one of the last points is masking our will as the will of God. And I think we are all guilty of this, and I hope to shed some light on that. So I will come back to the story of the Lady in the Stick in a little while, but this month's topic, today's topic, is the will of God. Uh, but first, just some announcements. Welcome to the Mill Sunday School. Uh, as a reminder, it is Dad's Day, so if you need to call him or go buy some fishing lures or whatever your flies uh, or uh, what else do dads like? Ties. Dad, dads love ties or socks. Uh, you can go do that later on today. Um, anyways, uh, welcome to the Mill Sunday School. If you're new, we do have... Uh, uh, papers, uh, like guest cards on your table, and if you want to fill one of those out, and as you leave, bring it to the nice people at the at the desk in the back there, and we'll give you a gift for coming today, and uh, it's a book and a CD of some New Life Worship and a New Life book uh, that you can have just for coming today. So thanks for coming. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, as far as announcements go... Um, Next week, Dan Perkins will be here. Uh, he's a really cool dude. He's leader of uh, DLA, Desperation Leadership Academy, and he'll be continuing the topic of the will of God. And then the week after that, just to give you a heads up, you can put it on your calendar, uh, we're going to cancel the Mill Sunday School. It'll be July 5th. And so it's really an opportunity to thank our leaders who, I mean, Sunday school just doesn't happen. So there's lots of leaders. There's about a team of about 30 people who help uh, just about every week. And so it's really an opportunity to give them the Sunday off. And it'll be a family service at New Life, meaning kids and everybody will be at the, at the church. And so you, that we're an opportunity for our leaders to stay up late or go somewhere on the 4th of July to celebrate our uh, independence from Great Britain a long time ago. So... Anyways, that's that. That's announcements. Let's get into uh, some, some of the meat of today's lesson as we talk about the will of God. And last week we mentioned that if you start talking about this amongst Christians and Christians who are knowledgeable, uh, eventually the conversation will get into, well, there's probably two types of the will of God, the general will of God and the specific will of God. And the general will of God would be for everyone at all times. God wills and desires us to be holy, to be righteous, to be chaste, to be uh, good to our neighbors, to love people, to uh, say no to the pleasures of the flesh, and yes to the things of God. God wills us to pray. God wills us to do, to do good. That's general. It's, the, it's for everyone. And then also the specific will of God, well, then those things would be uh, the will of God for you, for a specific time, for a specific decision. For instance, who are you going to marry? Maybe you're a girl and you have lots of boy suitors and they're all great and they're all godly Christian men. Which one are you going to marry? What is the will of God? You desire to do the will of God? You desire to marry the man God has for you? So which one will it be? That would be a specific will of God. Ladies have that problem? No hands? Oh. Maybe next week. Um... What school are you going to go to? What major are you going to major in? If you go to school, what job are you going to get? What job are you going to get just for the summer? What car are you going to buy? You want to be in the will of God for these major life decisions. And so how do we know the specific will of God? Last week we talked about the general. Today we're going to talk about the specific will of God. So I want to give you a discussion question. So again, if you're at a small table, you could jump right in with a bigger table. Uh, kind of the more the merrier for this discussion question. And it is this, to talk at your tables about uh, what are the attributes to know you are in the specific will of God? 
What are things like, oh, when I'm making a decision and I want to be in the will of God, and I think I've found it, how did you get there? What are the attributes to know you were in the specific will of God? So that's your discussion question. Maybe assign someone to be a scribe and write some of these down, uh, and then I'll go, I'll go around and I would love to hear some of these things from you. So ready, cassette, discuss. I heard some really good things. This table over here said the peace of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this table said uh, you think you know you're in the will of God uh, when you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what else? What did you guys say? <laughs> what did you say? The Bible. It's in the, yeah, you're like, oh, you're following the specific will of God. If you're not going against the Bible, you're going in the ways of the Bible. That's a really good way. What else? Anything else? Anybody want to yell? Think? Yeah, John? This knowing, this feeling. Here's um, a nerd alert for you for the day. <laughs> this guy is on the cover of the notes, and uh, he's a pretty important guy for Protestant evangelical American theological thinking. Uh, does anybody recognize this homeboy? It's not George Washington. Good guess. It's not Martin Luther. It's not Thomas Paine. He has a quote on the back of the notes. It's John Wesley. That is who it is. Um, If you don't know who John Wesley is, I'll fill you in just a little bit. But he's a pretty big deal uh, when it comes to the 1700s and kind of reshaping theology and American Protestantism in the United States that it is today. Uh, John Wesley grew up. He was the 15th boy out of... uh, uh, our 15th child, uh, that's a lot of kids, I think. Uh, maybe you don't think, but I think that's a lot of kids. His, he had a little brother named Charles Wesley who wrote like something like 6,000 hymns, which you probably sing. Uh, uh, you probably know some of them, not knowing it's uh, John Wesley's little brother, but it is. Uh, John Wesley grew up Anglican. His, his dad was an Anglican priest. Uh, John Wesley goes to Oxford to become an Anglican priest as well. He starts a little club with his buddies called the Holy Club. And he, it's like a prayer and fasting and accountability. And they would uh, learn Greek, New Testament Greek together and hold each other to righteous standards. Uh, Then he graduates from Oxford, becomes an Anglican priest, gets assigned to be a missionary here in the United States. Well, actually, I think it was before the United States was the United States, but it it was Savannah, Georgia. He sails here and on his way to Savannah, Georgia, there is a horrible storm. And he writes about this in his journals we have his journals, and you could read them. I've read some of them. It's wonderful reading. And he says that he was scared to death in the storm in the ship headed to Savannah, Georgia. And he questioned, is he really saved? He questioned, do I really know God? And do I really love God? Am I really saved? He's scared to death. And he sees some people on the boat who happen to be Moravians. And that's another subject as to who they were. But these people were not afraid. They were praying and holding hands. And, 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 and it seemed like they had no fear. So he really began to question his own salvation. Am I really saved if I'm fearing death this much? And so he goes to America. He goes back to England, has this experience. It's pretty famous at the Alders, Alders Gate experience where he's in a church. He is just reading, um, uh, he's reading Martin Luther's commentary on Romans, which we happened to have mentioned last week. Kind of cool. Um, and he comes to this conclusion that he is, is, needs to be saved all over again and truly saved and rest upon the knowledge 
uh, that God alone is his salvation. And, I mean, imagine this guy who's already an Anglican priest who was a part of a holy club. You'd already think, like, oh, this man is very, uh, very, very faithful. And he comes to another level of, like, understanding. He talks about, uh, the quote is this. Um, he writes about it uh, in his journal. He says, uh, I had the quote. Oh, I think I deleted it because I wasn't going to read it. But now I'm thinking, oh, it'd be cool to read. But anyways, I didn't read it. I don't have it. Sorry. He, he, he talks about, you could look it up. But he talks about how his heart is strangely warmed. And he realizes all at once that he uh, needs to be saved by God alone. And then he becomes just figuratively set on fire for the Lord and goes all around preaching, open-air preaching, and uh, having methods for how to study the Bible and be a Christian. And then people kind of made fun of him and called his followers Methodists, which is the founding of the Methodist Church, if you didn't know that. Um, and he, he's just this powerhouse of a Christian, has lots of theological thought. And one of the things he comes up with, uh, kind of standing on the shoulders of other Christians who have gone before him, is this understanding of why we believe what we believe or how God's truth is revealed. So he said it like this, or it's said about him like this. Wesley believed that the living core of the Christian faith was revealed in Scripture, illumined by tradition, vivified, it means like come to life, uh, made alive in personal experience and confirmed by reason. It's a pretty powerful sentence, uh, two sentences to be specific. Actually, one sentence, one sentence to be specific. Um, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's, it's four points. It's how we can know truth. So it's like the summation. It's this tool for how we can know what is true. And if we ask questions like, well, what's the specific will for God in my life? Well, we could, in some ways, refer back to this. Uh, it's called the quadrilateral of, of Revelation or the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Has anybody heard of that before? Four or five-ish hands. <clears throat> You're going to hear about it today, and I think it's a wonderful tool for knowing the will of God. <clears throat> a wonderful tool for explaining to someone else why it is you believe. You say, well, it's been revealed to me in Scripture. It's been illuminated by tradition. It's been vivified in personal experience, and it's been confirmed by reason. That'd be a great sentence to write down as far as notes go to refer back to. But what I'm going to do is make a chart of this, and I left you a spot in your notes to draw what I'm about to put up there. So you'll, you'll make a circle, and then there'll be four points around it, and the four points will be these four things. And we're going to work back, backwards and go reason, experience, tradition, and scripture, and we'll kind of talk about each one. So here it is. So if you're drawing this, draw a little circle, put uh, truth, or put uh, the specific will of God, or put uh, a revelation inside. I put the word truth inside with a period, like we're talking about what is truth. Um, and, and we would say as Christians that truth is not relative. We would say that, oh, whatever, we would not say that, oh, whatever's true for you is true for you. And if it contradicts my truth, that's all cool. It's all gravy. Everything, everybody has their own truth. We would say, no, there is truth and there's not truth. And those not truths are called lies. They're called false things and they're not true. So how do we determine what is truth? Well, Wesley said it this way. He said uh, that truth is confirmed by reason. So we'll put that on the bottom uh, and, and Wesley said confirmed by reason, but I put the words logic, deduction, thinking. Uh, you could put up the word reason. You could put up the word common sense. And we can know the will of God. This is one of the means. Maybe you mentioned this at your table. You're just like, well, how do you know what the will of God is? Well, it, just, it seems right. And in my thinking, it's like, well, God has ordained this, and it makes sense. 
on, on Friday, I was talking to a guy that I really respect, uh, kind of a spiritual father to a lot of mill people, and he had, a, he had a brand new watch on. And I was like, cool watch. And he was like, thanks. And then he said, oh, yeah, the Lord told me to get a watch. And I was like, hmm, all right, cool, whatever, I respect you. And so, but tell me more about that, thinking about, like, I wonder how God speaks to different people. Uh, you, you think it's the will of God for you to get a watch? And he's like, yeah, it's really not all that spiritual. He said, uh, I have these counseling appointments, uh, Christian counseling on Thursday nights, and it's a bunch of them in a row, and uh, I want to be true to the time and counsel people. They're like 15-minute appointments. And I found myself kept looking at my cell phone to know the time, which is kind of rude if someone's sharing their, their, their heart with you and you pull out your cell phone to look at the time. It's like, bro, are you texting someone else right now? Really, bro? Um, but he wasn't. He was checking the time, so he was convicted. So he was like, I need to get a watch so I'm not rudely pulling out my cell phone to check the time. And I was like, Oh, well, that makes sense. It's, yeah, it does seem like that's the will of God. It, it's logical. It's, you could deduce that. It's natural observation. It's reasonable that the Lord would want you to get a watch so you're not being rude and looking at your cell phone. Makes sense. So that's an example of God speaking through logic, deduction, thinking, reason. The next one is Wesley says, uh, working from the bo- bottom up, uh, Wesley says that um, truth is vivified in personal experience. That we could experience the will of God uh, in ways that are maybe miraculous, in ways that God speaks to us through maybe visions or dreams or prophetic words or words of knowledge. Um, I've experienced that only a few times in my life um, where I felt like, oh, the Lord gave me this idea and it was kind of vivified in this personal experience. How cool is that? Um, and this is something that, that I just put up the word experience there, that we can know the will of God through what we experience. Don't you agree? Maybe at your tables you said something like that. Like, well, how do you know the will of God? Well, we should pray about it. One table said, how do you feel that peace when you, when, you're, when you found the will of God? That would be an experience. And, and certainly we can know the will of God through our experiences. And we could tell people about truth through our experiences. I've been in many conversations with uh, atheists, uh, people that just, um, they kind of are somewhat argumentative uh, about faith. Uh, for some reason, I am usually known as the guy that likes doing that. I don't necessarily like doing that, but uh, I, 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 I don't know, I find myself doing it. And often it'll get very like logical deduction, like we're talking about science and proofs for the existence of God, proofs for his non-existence, and we're talking and kind of disagreeing. And eventually I usually try to bend the conversation towards, well, Okay, we could keep talking about this, but it seems like we're getting nowhere. Let me just tell you about my own experiences with the Lord and how I have experienced the Lord for many years and following him. And at the end of that conversation, people are usually like, well, uh, cool, I'm, I'm glad that you have that. That's, uh, that's, that's cool. Um, so you really, you've experienced God, and it, it draws out people. So that's a great way to know what truth is, to talk about truth. The next one I'm going to put up is uh, the other side, community. Uh, Wesley says it like this. He says it's, uh, truth is illuminated in tradition. And we could say that the church could be the tradition. We could say that the community of Christ, all of us in here would be the community of Christ. We can know what truth is by this community. Think about like why you believe or how you believe or the things you believe. Um, maybe, you know, maybe it's not directly scripture. Maybe it's not directly a personal experience. But you have talked about it with someone. Someone else filled you in on the truths of God. And that's a great way that God speaks. If you're making a decision in your life, you're wondering what the will of God is, it would be a great thing to do 
to ask your community of Christ followers, your parents, your friends, say, hey, what do you think about this? I'm making a decision here. And maybe all of them would say the same thing. Oh, of course, you should decide this because, you know, it seems like your personality fits and your giftings fit. And everybody is saying, yeah, that's a great, that, that must be the will of God for you. So the, the will of God is, uh, Wesley says, illuminated by tradition, vivified in personal experience, confirmed by reason. And of course, the final one, the one that uh, Wesley uh, starts off with, is that truth is revealed in Scripture. And the reason why it's at the top of this little chart that, that I've made, um, actually, I think I learned this in seminary, so I can't get the credit for this isn't my chart. But the Bible's at the top because it's the most important. The Bible, uh, someone in the group just had, like, how do you know the will of God? Someone was just like held up the Bible and was like pointed to it. It's like, yeah, duh, of course. It was you, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course we know what truth is. We know the will of God. We know the specific will of God if, it, if it's in Scripture. If God speaks about it, then we should do that. If God speaks against it, we should not do that. So look at this chart. Look at it. Would you look at it? Just look at it. <laughs> Bible, experience, community, logic, deduction. I don't think I'm showing you anything new here but maybe giving you a tool. In organizing it this way, if you're in for a decision, if you're trying to make up your mind about something, well, look at the Bible. Does the Bible have anything to say specifically about the decision you're making? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Uh, What about your experience? Do pray about it. What about community? Should you ask your friends and family who are believers, like ask them to pray for you? Of course. Uh, What about logically? Your thinking, your reason. Like, does does this seem like it would be the will of God in your future? Your gifting's lined up here. So here's the sentence again, and hopefully now it makes a lot of sense. Wesley believed that living at the core of the Christian faith was revealed in Scripture, illuminated by tradition, vivified in personal experience, and confirmed by reason. So let's talk about this just a little bit more. So there's four points, and they really should be all together. Like, this is the way in which truth is revealed. This is the way in which... Uh, God speaks. The language of God is through the Bible, through community, through our experience, through logic. And when God is speaking and the will of God uh, is, is made clear, I would say that usually the four are lined up very well. It's kind of like a, like a rock climbing anchor. Anybody, anybody into rock climbing? Oh, look at all the hands. Great. So you'll get this analogy then. So here's a rock climber doing the rock climbing thing. And if you get up to the top of a route, uh, usually there's some sort of anchor, like that's what you call it. You anchor yourself into the rock. And uh, is anybody afraid of heights? <laughs> rock climbers are usually, there's like a saying that, well, everyone's actually afraid of heights. It's just a matter of how exposed you get before that fear becomes terrifying. But if you get up to the top of a route, you're looking down, you're scared, um, there's, there's different anchor systems. I brought in some of my... Um, trad, traditional rock climbing gear. These are cams. And uh, if you don't know what this is, it looks like a crazy little device. It is. Uh, basically, you like push this down, and it gets a little smaller. Then you stick it into a crack and let it go. And then this will hold you in place in case you fall. Do you believe that? Some of you do. Some of you do not. <laughs> if you get up to the top of a rock and you're very scared, and you have one of these uh, to put into a crack... That's great. You have one anchor. But if you're a rock climber, you know that one is, is not good enough for an anchor. One is not good enough to hold your life and your friend's life who you're climbing with. You should probably have two. 
and, and two is better than one, and if you have two, well, then maybe you could have three, and I have four here. Four of these would make a very, if you're into rock climbing and traditional rock climbing, uh, I'll put these up here if you want to look at them later. Um, they're kind of cool little gadgets. But if you're into rock climbing, traditional rock climbing, you know that a four would make a pretty good anchor. One would be horrible. You would not want to rest your life on one for an anchor in your friend's life. Four would be pretty good. Uh, Lots of them, here's a picture of like uh, an overnight camping on a big wall. Uh, For some of you, this looks really exciting. For some of you, you just don't know what that means. Like what in the world? Why would you do that? Um, But in this anchor system, they have lots of anchors. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, maybe, that you could just see from this picture. And so they're camping up there. Lots of anchors. This is safe. Um, You might not believe it's safe, but it's safe. They have lots of anchors holding them up. It's kind of like going back to the quadrilateral. If you think you know the will of God, well, then all four should be anchoring you to the will of God. One of them, it's good, having one anchor holding your life and the will. You think, oh, this is the will of God. I, have the, I had this experience. Well, that's good. But if, if God is really speaking here, well, then it should line up with the Bible. It shouldn't contradict the Bible. It should, your friends, your family, your, your community of Christians should all be saying, yeah, that's the will of God. Um, that your reason, like, yeah, this, is a, a, this has to be the will of God. It's reasonable. It's a good decision. The, the four should be lining up. It's like pencils. Like, you can easily break one pencil, but if you have four pencils, it'd be hard to break. Maybe some of you stronger people could do it, but I don't think I could do it. So the four are lined up. So here's the discussion question for you. Um, I, I realize that this discussion question may be hard to get into, so I'll try to help you a little bit. But it's this. Uh, so at your tables, what are examples of leaning uh, just too hard on only one of the points? So you could talk uh, personally. You can talk uh, generally. You can talk about um, uh, maybe something personal. It doesn't have to be personal. But what are examples of maybe leaning too hard on like a specific interpretation of scripture or leaning too hard on an experience you had or leaning too hard on a community of people or leaning too hard just on your own logic. Cool? Ready, get set? Discuss that. So I'm probably interrupting your conversations, but I have a mic and I would love if, if a couple of you shared. I heard some good things, uh, but anybody, Mr. Higgins will start us off. Thank you so much. Um, I... I I would say that uh, leaning on your own understanding. Like your own reason, like the it, bottom one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I tend to do that. Um, just... Oh, gosh, sorry. That was like a weird cough thing. That, that's my fault, all my fault. Gen- generally speaking, I agree with myself. Um, <laughs> good. I, as far as I know, I'm not schizophrenic. Um, my mother had me tested. <laughs> I, I will go into a situation with, without any of these four uh, areas of the quadrangle and potentially make a horrendous decision. Just on your own On thinking. my own, yeah. because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm smarter than these other three areas or so, I think. Yeah. And so these other three areas can, can round you out and, and can say, well, you know, actually, that's not really what you should be doing. That's... Yeah. That kind of goes against scripture or that the, the experiences of others uh, yeah, yeah. in your community uh, can guide you in the right way. So I w- I'd say personally speaking, um, I, I tend to lean on my own understanding. Yeah, that's well said. Anybody else? 
whatever here I'm saying. This group had, or where's Caleb? I just saw, oh, right there. He, he was saying community can be off. If all you're trying to do is impress a community, well, maybe you're doing the will of your friend who, who's very vocal in your life and you're not doing the will of God. I thought that was a good example. Miss Aaron? Kind of leading off of that, my husband <clears throat> Jason. said that. <laughs> this guy. Um, going with community, you can manipulate the answers that you want by the people you go to. So yes. you know if someone's going to agree with something that you think they should agree with. It may, you may know that it's not the correct answer, but you can, you can use that to your own advantage instead of getting a well-rounded yeah. look at it. Yeah, like the, as a kid, if, if dad says no, what do you do? You go ask mom. Um, <laughs> I have a three-year-old who does that a lot, so it's very real in our household. Um, but here, an example I thought of would be this. This isn't, uh, uh, I was just thinking, this, had, this kind of thing happens a lot, uh, but I'll make it into a kind of story. Let's say <clears throat> you, uh, you have a friend, and he's a dude, and this dude friend uh, is very sheltered, he's a Christian, uh, let's just say he's homeschooled for that, for that stereotype. Uh, uh, just, oh, he's not homeschooled, he's not homeschooled. He's just very sheltered. And one day he decides he's going to go out uh, and go to the club. He refers it to it as Duck Club. And he goes to Duck Club, and he's, he's hanging out. He's like, wow, this is pretty cool. And he meets a girl at the club. And, and he's never met a girl that was that uh, forward, and she gave him his number. And he's like, wow, that someone, you know, this girl likes me. I've never had a girl just come up to me and, and like me. And wow, this is great. And she, he gets the number, the digits, goes home. That night has a dream about the girl at the club. And he's like, wow. And he wakes up from this dream. He's like, yeah, in the dream, we got married and God was there over uh, the, 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 the wedding, and God was blessing it. Wow. He wakes up from this dream. He's like, wow, this must be the will of God. And, and God does speak in dreams. And maybe, uh, maybe he is speaking. Maybe he's not. This should be tested. The will of God should be, you know, to test and approve what the will of God is uh, so that you can know it. And so he really likes this girl. And he's like, wow, the club girl is, is great. I had this dream that we're going to get married. And, and so he's just thinking and, and rethinking about this girl. And so he asks all his friends uh, that are Christians. He asks his parents. And his friends say, yeah, I don't know, bro. This, I don't know. The club girl might not be the girl for you. I, I know you had the dream. And the dream is, you know, you had that dream. And maybe it was from God. But they're all like, yeah, I don't think so. So look, thinking about the quadrilateral uh, he had the personal experience, the one on the right, if you drew it, if you remember it. Um, but the, 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 the one on the left, the, uh, his friends, his community of Christ are all saying, nah. In fact, one of his friends is even like, yeah, I, I think I knew this girl from high school. She's bad news. She's not a believer. She's, she's into getting drunk, and she kind of uses guys. She's probably not the right girl for you. So the community is saying no. He compares this girl to uh, the Bible. And there's a wonderful passage in the Bible. If you're not familiar with it, uh, read Proverbs 31. Guys, you should find a girl like that. Girls, you should be like a Proverbs 31 woman. And so he thinks like, okay, is this woman a Proverbs 31 woman? And the, the Proverbs 31 woman works hard. She's a blessing to her family. She, uh, 
What else does she do? She, she lives for God. She, uh, any, anybody else, what does she do? Do you know it? She does everything amazing. Yeah, she's, she's a strong believer in the Lord. Uh, and he compares this girl, the club girl, to the Proverbs 31 girl. And it's like, yeah, this girl is probably not the Proverbs 31 girl. So the Bible at the top is kind of saying no. His friends are saying no. Um, reasonably, logically, he thinks through the decision. And he's like, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I, I went to the club for the first time and met a girl. And she, she probably is just a forward girl. And I'm not used to that. So I'm probably too getting my heart too involved. And so that's an example of maybe how you could test and approve what God's will is using the Wesleyan quadrilateral, that tool. It's like, okay, you had the dream. That's great. But, but often our dreams, you know, thinking about it logically, the, the bottom one, is like often our dreams uh, can be our own will, our own desire, and not the desire of God. So test it with the Bible, with the community, with your own logic and thinking. And, and, and so that's, that's an example. Because this can happen a lot. This is the last uh, point we'll kind of talk about today, that we can uh, mask our will as God's. We can want to do something and then just kind of throw the God card. Like, oh, God has willed this. Like the lady that I, I started off with the parable of the lady and the stick. She's throwing up the stick, wanting the stick to go this way because that way is this big city and it's easy to get to. And this way is a, is a small city where she won't be uh, sell as much and it's hard to get to. So she keeps throwing the stick in the air, hoping that it'll eventually land this way, which I imagine it will because it's a stick being thrown and, and she's trying to make it land that way. And so we can often mask the will, our own will, as the will of God. We talked about this a lot at the, um, this last week. We did a Chick-fil-A opening. Anybody there? What? Yep, yep. Victoria was there. A couple of people were there. And we, we opened up the conversation. I was like, well, this Sunday I'm going to talk about the will of God. What do you guys think about the will of God? We talked for about two hours because there's nothing really to do if you're spending 24 hours in a parking lot of Chick-fil-A waiting for it to open so you can get free Chick-fil-A. So we sat around and talked about the will of God. And again and again and again, we kept coming back to, well, you know, how do we know the will of God? And how easy is it for us to mask our own will and call it the will of God and kind of throw out the God card? And we live in a society where uh, we could, you know, do a lot of different things. We have endless opportunities for ourselves because we're Americans. And believe it or not, we're rich compared to the rest of the world. We're rich compared to uh, other times in, in history. And we have lots of opportunities before us. If you wanted to be an astronaut, well, you could probably start your way on becoming an astronaut. If you wanted to be a firefighter, you could train and, and maybe become a firefighter. Like, there's endless opportunities out there for what you can do in your life. And we are a society that loves ourselves. We like these kinds of things. Like, I love myself buttons. And we can get those buttons and put it on ourselves. And it's not that weird. You're just like, yeah, I have one of those. No big deal. Um, and maybe you do, maybe you don't. But, but we in our society, we love ourselves. We are a society that loves taking selfies. Um, we are a society that loves bragging about what we're doing, what we're accomplishing. And other friends will chime in and be like, yeah, you're cool, bro. And it's like, yes, I love myself. I'm so cool. Uh, I'm so great. And, and we can easily, with our egos, want to do like something awesome for the Lord. Well, why do you want to do that awesome thing? Well, because it's your own ego and you want to uh, become famous and rich off of the will of God. And it easily gets mixed into 
our own will versus what God is really calling us to. God, uh, throughout Scripture, calls people to humility. And I think often one of the ways to test the will of God is thinking, okay, is this going to be for my own ego or is this really for the Lord? And that's that's a wonderful test. And it's a very humbling test to think about because often it's like we want to do something great for the Lord. We want to become famous for the Lord. But it's that fame that really, like, do you think God is calling you to be famous just for your fame's sake? Or do you think that that could be your own ego? And I wonder how many times it is our own ego. And I'm pointing to myself as well, like just mixing the will of God with our own will. I think about one of my favorite passages uh, of Scripture. Uh, Favorite verse is John 3.30, where it's John the Baptist. So this is a picture of John the Baptist. Uh, He says, um, it's just a very short line. He says, he must become greater, talking about God, and I must become less. Do you know that verse? He must become greater, I must become less. That's the will of God. For him to become greater and for us to become less. Which is a very hard message to us, to me, as an American with endless opportunities with, uh, you know, believe it or not, we are considered rich by the rest of the world, even though you're like, dude, I'm not rich. I don't have any cash. Well, you live in a very rich society in which even uh, hungry people, they have access to food. Whereas I've been to places in India where hungry people did not have access to food. And you're watching people like pick up breadcrumbs that have been smashed in the subway. Uh, and you're just like, wow, that, that's, that's hunger right there. That's, that's the real deal. Uh, You don't really see that very much in America because we're kind of rich. We have lots of opportunities. We have lots of success before us. And it's easy to match our own will with what we think God is calling us to do and bending and masking our own will as God's will. So that's, I guess, kind of a a warning for us, uh, me as included, me me, uh, first and foremost, warning myself that our own wills can be masked by what we think God's will is. So as we conclude, um, I've been thinking about this a lot and today talking about the specific will of God and really just wanted to revisit last week's sermon as we conclude today that the specific will of God should never come before the general will of God. In this conversation we were having at Chick-fil-A, which lasted maybe two hours, at the end of the conversation we were like, okay, you know, we talked and talked and talked about the specific will of God, but really it comes down to the general will of God. If you're not doing that, well, then you're not doing the specific will of God. If you're not being kind and, and loving each other and, and being uh, righteous and holy, well, then does it really matter what car you think God is calling you to buy? Does it really matter uh, what college or what major God is calling you to do if you're not righteous and holy, that the general will of God should be so much more important than the specific will of God. So let's not get distracted. Let's not mask our will as, as God's will. So let's pray. And we're going to pray to the God who, who we are trying to serve. I mean, today's lesson is all about uh, serving. And so, Father, we want to serve you. You are the, the good Father, the Father that uh, gives us your will God, we're, we're just amazed at that. Throughout Scripture, you, you, you speak to your people. You show your people uh, ways to go. And, and we have things in our hearts lined up. But Lord, you direct our, our paths. You direct our steps. 
And so, Lord, we, we give our lives over to you. God, we ask you to fill us with your will that we might know what it is generally and specifically for our lives. God, we praise you and love you. We give you our honor and our lives. You are a holy God. You're mighty and awesome. And everyone said, Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.